0: So this is week four officially, and there will be five weeks of me doing this. And then what happens after that? Uh, God knows. God knows what's happening. But it, it won't be me, I don't think. So that you can rejoice in that. Uh, we've been talking about connecting or abiding. I've been looking at John 15, uh, where Jesus gives his farewell discourse. This is the night before he's going to go get crucified. This is he's telling his disciples, his closest followers, Uh their all-important mission of how they're going to spread the gospel, and he doesn't give them a a huge plan and lay out all the schedule and timing of everything, but basically he focuses in on just connect to me. You connect to me, and everything else will work out. Uh, So we've kind of been going with this uh, abiding theme or connection. Last week we discussed the importance of connection over production, this idea that you know, sometimes we get into this works-oriented, and I need to do more, do more, do more things for God, and I need to check all the boxes. I've done all these things, and I've do, I do, 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 and as opposed to I'm just being with God, and as I connect with God and through the Holy Spirit, He empowers me to then do the things or show the fruit He wants me to show or live the way He wants me to live. So it's connection over production. We did that last week, but here tonight I want to talk about something that is a little bit of a, a it's a bit of an uncomfortable topic sometimes as we think of it from, from God's perspective and maybe even more for sure from our perspective. But did you actually know that you can be connected to Christ and still not bear fruit? Seems like an oxymoron. If you're connected to Christ, for sure you would. you're connected to the vine, you would bear fruit. It just goes without saying. But Jesus does say in what I'm going to look at tonight primarily in, in, in John 15 verse 2 that it says that God... He takes away, or some translations they say, He cuts off every branch that bears no fruit. Now, how does God do that? It can be a little unsettling. like, what does that mean? If I'm not bearing enough fruit or whatever is enough fruit, then He just cuts me off and I get severed and I'm done. And if you really go too far, then you're like, I can lose my salvation. I don't think you can go that far, and we'll get into that. But there is for sure... Uh, Jesus is saying here in, in the Gospel of John that uh, God, God knows who's bearing fruit and who's not bearing fruit. And he does something with those. I'll say that as we start. So the gardener, God is the gardener. Of course, Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. There's that in this, in this metaphor. Uh, the gardener doesn't just deal with branches that aren't bearing fruit. It also says in the passage that he, he prunes them. And uh, we might not like that idea uh, that God cuts things off from our lives or that bearing fruit, he wants us to be even more fruitful. But there's this idea of pruning. I don't have a green thumb. I kill plants. I, I'm better with, like, dead plants because they're already dead. Fake plants, you could say. They just collect dust. I don't have to water them or anything. Uh, I'm not really gifted when it comes to gardening and green things. My mother-in-law can grow anything, anywhere, and any, she's, she, she does that. Uh, I don't have that. But for any gardener, they know that uh, sometimes you've got to cut things you prune. You trim them back so that they can grow more and better. And sometimes they even have the flowers or have the fruit. And you're like, why are you cutting that right there? It seems like it's got growth right there. And they're like, trust me, it's going to grow back better, bigger, fuller uh, the more that I trim it back. Pruning for us is painful, but anyone who's tended a garden knows it's necessary for the health and fruitfulness of the plant. So the fact that the gardener is God... It should give us comfort because he loves us. He would never do anything to harm us. We can trust him when he prunes us because we know he's working toward an increased fruit in our lives. He, he wants to produce fruit that will last eternally, that will last forever. So just something to think about as we go. And one question is on your notes. But what is something painful in your life that turned out for the good? I'm pr- you don't have to say out. It's rhetorical. But I'm sure we could all list some things like, man, when I had to go through that, and you fill in the blank, it was really, really hard. Uh, but I would never change it. If I could go back in time and change that thing, I would still grow through that experience, and it built character, or maybe it built trust in God, or maybe it built, it solidified another relationship with, with God or with people here on earth. Sometimes those difficult things in life is sometimes it's God's pruning us or God. Uh, allowing us to go through a storm to show that, sure enough, we don't control everything in our own lives, and we do need to depend on a God and a Jesus that actually does control everything when when it's happening. So this idea of pruning is, is for sure in scriptures, and it's here in John 15. Just walk through a couple of things as we think of that idea and for John 15 too as we go from there. But the first one is that a gardener prunes with an intentional picture in mind. Uh, I grew up in the, I'm aging myself, 80s, early 90s. That's when I was in my prime, you know, high school, junior high. So I'm watching all the movies that my parents would allow me to go watch. And in the 1980s, there were some great movies that came out. Uh, You know, you had the Goonies and you had the Gremlins. You got Princess Bride. You got E.T. You got the original Indiana Jones trilogy. Sure enough, they're still making those movies today, which is weird, but... And it's still Harrison Ford, but anyhow. Uh, but one of my favorite movies was The Karate Kid, the original Karate Kid, and I. In the last year or two, we watched those through Netflix or whatever with our kids, and of course, it looks dated. You're like, this was, this was, look, this, was, this looked great in the '80s, really, really good. We have high def now, and everything. It's not quite as good, but or it's much better. But anyhow, it was really good. And you remember the Karate Kid that there's there's Daniel's son, you know, and he has to learn karate. And uh, and his his sensei is going to be Mr. Miyagi, and uh, and he's going to train him on karate so he, the bullies don't beat him up at school and all that. And he walks in. One t- There's one scene in the movie where he walks in, and sure enough, his sensei. Every time Mr. Miyagi's doing something, it's always a teachable moment. It's you know I'm catching flies with chopsticks. By the way, that's hard to do. Or wax on, wax off. You remember that? You know. Uh, and uh, but he this one scene. He walks into the room and Mr. Miyagi is there and. And he's not doing those things. No, he's, he's pruning a, a bonsai tree. And Daniel watches as, as Mr. Miyagi cuts, and he snips away at this little plant. And it's already small, but he just keeps cutting and pruning away, making something small even smaller. Daniel isn't sure that Mr. Miyagi's what he's trying to accomplish as he's pruning it, but he doesn't understand why this particular plant is getting cut. Mr. Miyagi attempts to include Daniel in the pruning process. He gives him a chance to, to, to try to do it. And uh, Daniel's afraid he'll make a mistake and kill the plant. Uh, to relieve his fear, Mr. Miyagi, he, he, clo- he, clo- he says, Daniel, close your eyes, eliminate distractions, and think only tree, as only Mr. Miyagi would say. Think only tree. So then Daniel envisions a beautiful bonsai tree in his mind, and he opens his eyes, and, and then he starts to trim the actual tree into alignment with his vision. He learns that tending to a bonsai tree is an art that takes incredible time and skill. Sure enough, depending on the artist, a bonsai tree can be worth a lot of money. One particular bonsai tree today could sell for $1.3 million. I don't have any of those, because I would kill it. But I don't think it'd grow great in West Texas, but I don't know. But it's, difficult, it's different from a typical piece of art because why? It, it, it requires continual nurturing, pruning, cultivating. You better know what you're doing uh, and where exactly you cut and trim and all those things. In the movie, Daniel learns that he has to trust the mental picture of the tree's potential or he'll be too afraid to trim, cut, or prune any part. In John 15, God is described as the good gardener who, who always is pruning us, his branches. You know, when our way isn't working, when however we're going through life, it's it's sometimes if we realize whatever we're doing is not working, or maybe I'm not as connected to God as I should be or want to be, we need to embrace the pruning that God wants to do in us. Sometimes when God prunes us, it's noticeable to us and it's noticeable to others. I'm not going to say that every hardship that comes in your life or my life is God pruning you. Some hardships or disciplines or Uh, there's a lot of different reasons things can happen in our lives, whether it's death or whether it's uh, relationships that get severed or whether it's job loss or whatever. Not all of it is God pruning. Some of it is our other thing. We're sinners, and sometimes there's consequences for the sinful choices we make. Another thing is we live in a fallen world that's just not perfect, and some things in this life just aren't going to make sense until... You know, God calls us home or whatever, and this has just fallen. The creation groans for it to be made perfect and right, but that's ever since Genesis 3. Things aren't quite right. But there is also that there are times when some things happen, some things are granted to us, or some things may be taken away from us, and it could be God pruning us. That's all I'm suggesting, and for sure in our passage, uh, there's that idea. Sometimes pruning involves small snips that aren't noticed, but sometimes they are. Being the branch means learning not to resist God's pruning so that we can more fully experience the beautiful and fruitful life that he envisions for us. So one question to think about is, as you think of God the gardener, that he prunes his his branches, his Christians, his followers, how do you picture God as he prunes you? Does he have his machete? Does he have his chainsaw up there and just going to town with you? Just... There's going to be nothing but a stump when he's done with you. Or is it meticulously just like a little haircut, you know, just a little here and there, knowing just perfectly where to do those things. <clears throat> when you're the one being cut, you instinctively question every clip. But we do have to remember that God is not arbitrarily cutting or snipping. He has a picture in mind of who he wants us to fully be. God knows the number of our days. God knows he directs our past. He knows everything. He sees sees my life from the birth until the the ending of my life as he he does with you. And sometimes, just like even an earthly father, sometimes you take away things from your kids or you keep them from things. You put boundaries to keep your kids safe and then at some point they grow old and sometimes they go outside those boundaries and then you have to have the fun talk, well, you know, the prodigal son or whatever. I still love you. I'm your heavenly father. But come back. Come back. God is the gardener. He's pruning us. So we're going to look into that idea a little bit more. So John 15, 1 and 2, I am the Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser, the gardener. And then this, this verse, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it may bear fruit much fruit. Now, that's the New King James. There are other translations. By the way, I went through a biblical seminar. I somehow missed it, but I have been through seminary. There are a lot of good translations out there, and there are some translations that are more paraphrases, and so they can go more towards the exact Greek and the Hebrew, and they can go a little more towards the English we use today. There's a wide spectrum of that. I think any times you go New King James or you go the ESV or New American Standard or if you go the Christian Standard Bible, I think they're all pretty legit. NIV, I grew up on the NIV, pretty legit. It's good. So, but when you do those different Bible translations, if you look at that verse, every branch of me that does not bear much fruit, if you look at the word, he takes away. And if we had all the different translations out there, some of them say different words on that. And the Greek word is all the same but it's a matter of how you decide to interpret what that means. Some translations say he he cuts them off. So if, uh, uh, you know, God is the vine, vine, vine dresser, if I'm not bearing fruit, he cuts me off. He severs it, I'm no longer on his vine, and I'm back thrown to the ground, and I'm nothing, and I have no hope. I don't like that interpretation of it, and I'm going to say why, but uh here it says, Jesus says that in some translation that, that God cuts off every branch in him that bears no fruit. So we're going to look at that word, uh, iros, which is going to, we're going to look at some different ideas of what that word can mean. The New King James, it says he takes them away. Some translations may say he, he lifts them up. I'm going to go into that a little bit later, but I like that one the best. Um, but, uh, you know, so does God cut us off if we don't bear a certain amount of fruit or enough fruit? Uh, um, I I don't think so I think the answer might be found even in a gardener today and and today and if there was a gardener if you're a gardener uh, when you have a beautiful tree or a vine but maybe some of the limbs are not producing like it should do you immediately just go cut that sucker off not a good gardener they wouldn't do that Uh, that's not your first inclination to chop it down rather you look for the problem is the tree sick Uh, does it need fertilizer? Is it crowded by other bushes? It doesn't have enough, it's not getting enough sunlight. All these things, um, if it's a grapevine, has it fallen into the dirt? So we look at this word of Iro is the Greek word. It it means to take away or to cut off, and I've already said it, but it can be translated to lift up. And there's a big difference in how you translate it. Uh, That word Iro is is a relatively common word in the New Testament. uh, it's used some 26 times in the Gospel of John. It generally means something along the lines of you remove it or you lift it up. Okay. So one interpretation of the gardener is you cut off or you remove dying branches. You cut it off, and sure enough, you come back two weeks later, and sure enough, that what was barely a little bit of green. is Now there's no green because it's not connected to the vine anymore. Uh, another valid tr- translation is that God picks up or lifts up the dying branches. I'm suggesting to you, I really like that interpretation. Uh, John 5.8 uses the same word, and this in John 5.8, it's where God says to the paralyzed man, he says, I, iros, iros, same word, and it means rise, and it's translated, rise, take up your mat, and walk to the paralyzed man. He doesn't say cut off, he says rise. John 8.59, these are religious leaders are, are furious at Jesus, and it says there the same word, they took up stones to throw at him. They lifted up. They took up stones to throw it in. So I'm not suggesting in English, and I don't know all of the Greek and all the whatever. But I'm suggesting that word. If we get bogged down and say, "Well, it says you take away or you cut off," and some will say, "Well, then you lose your Christianity if you bear, don't bear enough fruit." I'm suggesting to you, I don't, I don't like that because I believe once saved, always saved. So I believe if if God saves you, God doesn't make mistakes. No matter what you do, you can't undo what God already did. He saved you. If you save yourself, then sure that could be taken away from you. But God doesn't make mistakes, so I don't think this fruit and idea of bearing fruit—if you don't bear enough fruit—that then you could lose your salvation. I think you've taken that way too far. I think using this analogy, he 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 picks, he picks—he takes it up, he picks it up, he throws it away—not throws it down. Uh, what does the New King James say again? Uh, he takes away is what the New King James. Um. I like the idea that he's lifting it up, he takes it, he takes it and he puts it back in with the other things that are growing so that it can produce the most fruit it can possibly produce. That's the idea I like. He picks it up. Uh, analogy maybe, uh, so my kids are both kind of driving now. They have their license, but remember when you teach your high schoolers to drive and eventually, and that's, that's scary, scary. Christy was much better at that than me. I, I got my air, air air brake pedal just working over there on the passenger side, scared to death. And uh, Christy was calmer. But anyhow, they get their license, right? And then when they get their license, then you have the talk, which is what what is going to happen when you have that fender bender and you have that, oops, I didn't have, knew I had a blind spot. Whatever happens. And uh, you try to tell them all the things that they should do whenever this moment happens. Well, Say I get a call, you know, son's going to school. This actually happened, by the way. It's like 7.30 in the morning, and I'm woken up to, hey, uh, just uh, I just bumped into somebody. And so you walk them through whatever. So if I said in that moment to Mason, I said, I'm going to, I'm going to IRO you. Am I going to cut him off? Am I going to break? Am I going to sever the relationship? Is it over? Or does it mean I'm going to come pick you up? I'm going to come help you right now. That's what it would mean. So I like that idea of uh, I, I just don't think we need to spend too much time saying this This passage isn't about losing your salvation. But here Jesus is clearly saying that if you're not bearing fruit, though, God's going to do something to help you bear more fruit. God's not going to be inactive in our lives when one of his children, one of his uh, branches is not performing like it should. He's going to actively do something so that. Uh, we can grow more fruit and be more uh, faithful in following him in our lives. So in a vineyard, when a branch falls to the ground, the gardener picks it up, he cleans it off, he entwines it with other branches. Why? So it can produce again. It's this idea of this branch is not performing as maximally as I I would hope, and so I'm I'm going to lift it up, I'm going to put it in a better situation so it can produce more. Uh, the Apostle Paul kind of pushes back on this idea that God has rejected us if we don't bear enough fruit or we don't do whatever. If you look at Romans eight thirty eight and 39, Paul says, For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Again, the idea is when God saves you, nothing you or I do or don't do can change that. I'm still a child of God. And God wants to just put me in the best situation where I can bear the most fruit. Uh, So, you know, not my wasted time, not my apathetic indifference, not my passive disobedience towards God, not my addiction, not my bad habits, not my biggest regret. Nothing can separate me from the love of God or you. The enemy loves to share the lie that and even to Christians. You're a Christian, right? Right? But you got this in your life. And he likes to highlight all the areas that we're still struggle with sin or temptation. And then he likes to start down the slippery slope that says, how could a holy, just, righteous God love you when you're still struggling with whatever that is? Well, that's what grace and mercy is. God graciously loves us despite our sin and despite our shortcomings. That's why God had to, to 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 overcome death and overcome sin once and for all through Jesus Christ. So God, this idea of whether you know you have a cut off theology or a lift up theology, I think it's a big it's a big deal how you view your God. You know, uh, but I would I would say that uh, you know I already mentioned the pro, the parable of the prodigal son, Luke fifteen. I just listed a bunch of passages. You can go back and look. I'm not going to stop and wait for you all to turn them. But you can go back and look at all these passages. And If, 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 you, want. if you want to look to Luke 15, I'm going to read a little bit of this one. Uh, but you all know the story of the prodigal son. Uh, you know, the son, uh, the, the, the rich ruler has several, su- couple of sons. And one of the sons is like, I want my inheritance right now. And he's going to go squander it. This is the younger brother. He's going to go squander it, and before you know it, he finally wakes up, and he's eating with pigs, and he realizes I had a lot better in my father's house, so he's going to go back. And what does the father do? And this is how God loves us. This is how Jesus tells the story. So in verse eighteen of that, I will arise. The young the young son says, I will arise and go to my father, and will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father, but when he was still a great way off... Now this is, this is God, this is the gardener, this is the one that is looking at a branch that's not performing like it should. His father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf here, kill it, and let's eat and be merry. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. His father didn't cut him off at all. He lifted him up. He restored him. He reconciled him. He made things right. The gardener's goal is to irow, lift up withering branches so that their connection can be strengthened and that their fruit can begin to grow even better. I know what God wants each of us to do. No matter how spiritually dry or dead we might feel, no matter how long we've been lying in the dirt and caught up in the weeds, God wants to gently pick us up and to clean us off. So there's the, the branches that are not producing like they should. But then the pruning. If you look at that verse in John 15 too, that this idea that God prunes branches that aren't bearing fruit so that they will produce more fruit when difficult and painful circumstances come our way we might think that God is punishing us for wrong that we've done against him and maybe he is maybe he's not the truth is that God also allows hard things in our lives because he loves us Jesus says that in fifteen two of John every branch that bears fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit So, God prunes us and He cuts, how did He prunes, He prunes three kinds of branches. The first kind of branch He prunes is the the dead or diseased branches. These branches represent our sinful behaviors, patterns that have begun to infect our lives and in turn the lives of those around us. Even though we're bearing fruit maybe in some areas of our lives, we still struggle with deep seated, destructive habits and hidden sins. Well, what are some of those things? Well, our pastor's been in Colossians for a couple of years. Uh, love you, Jeff Franklin. Love you. Uh, Colossians 3, 5, and 10. Is he there yet? I don't know if he's there yet, but I think we're in theory. Uh, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these get rid of these things anger rage malice slander filthy language from your lips do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and I put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator has God pruned some of those things from your life i hope so not that we're all perfectly done pruned branches we still have we're still works in progress progress i still got some room for improvement as do you And then another question, are you still struggling with some of those things? And God wants to prune them. God says in that passage what he wants to prune. I want to get rid of these things, the old self, and I want to put on the new things, the new self. How does God prune us? He prunes us through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Now, this is just Christians. If you're not a Christian, you don't have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You're literally on your own. But I'm talking to Christians. If you are saved, a child of God, the Holy Spirit is in you you're the temple of God now, then the Holy Spirit can convict you. He can tell you some things you need to let go and some things you need to add in to your life. Uh, God is at work, and he does that through his Holy Spirit. It makes us aware of how God is working. The Holy Spirit, when a Bible passage is taught, or maybe you're having a quiet time on your own, the Holy Spirit is the one that will interpret that passage and say, and even if it's John 3.16 and everyone knows that passage, you may read it one day and you're like, Something, just a light bulb goes off and something that just, just God, God, connects your life and where you're at to just that passage. And he wants to do it in that perfect time and in his way. Well, that's the Holy Spirit that does all those things. The Holy Spirit is the one that shows us areas of our lives that aren't aligned with God's ways. The Holy Spirit can take what resides in the dark and and exposes them into the light. So this idea that God is going to prune even our sin, even the things I need to be letting go, uh, God's going to prune us from those things so that we can produce more fruit. But then also another kind of branch would be that God removes the sucker branches. The sucker branches. Don't be a sucker. Um, These are the branches that suck the life out of fruit-bearing branches. What are you talking about, Keith? Well... There are plenty of things you and I can get involved in in this world that has no benefit to your Christian walk at all. You know, you can know every fact. Well, remember when you used to have encyclopedias, <clears throat> and they would come by your door, and you would you would buy a set. Yeah, they don't do that anymore because there's a thing called the internet and Google. But um, there's so much information out there, you literally cannot you cannot keep up with it. And all the information out, and then if you try to discern what is real and what's truth information versus falsehood and all the all the stuff that's happening out there, it's a robot, whatever it is, uh, it'll, it'll make you it go crazy. But my suggestion is to: there are things in our lives that suck our Christian uh, potential out. They are like weeds in a yard. That's all I have in my yard, but like weeds that are taking all your nutrients out, and they're causing your Christian life and growth not to be as optimal as it could. Social media, activities, hobbies, these can all weaken our connection to Christ. Uh, you know, some families, and I don't, I don't mean to throw any darts at anybody, but this youth sports movement that has happened today, and, you know, used to be the weekend was sacred, and then it, before that, Wednesday nights was sacred. Well, nothing's sacred anymore, you know. And every parent can decide what they want to do, and if you want to be in the club sports, then guess what? You're going to travel to Dallas every other weekend, and you're going to have to do all this Parents need to decide what is your priority and for sure if we have young kids then mom and dad need to decide those things and at some point then hopefully it segues to now they're teenagers and now they go to college and now they're deciding what's going to be important to them as singles and whatever and then at some point they're going to get married and then they're going to decide in their family or maybe they don't get married they're going to decide in their family what's going to be most important but this idea of generationally we're trying to say this is stuff we got to keep important I for sure would hope that church not attendance, but I'm involved in church is important because we're coming. We're, we're quickly approaching a day and age where one hour on a Sunday is all that anyone's going to give to church. And then there will become a day when they won't even get one hour to church. We're about 50 years behind Great Britain and Europe, and Europe's pretty much, Europe's pretty much secular with a lot of Muslim influence happening. And that's happening in the U.S. too. And by the way, U.S. is becoming more and more secular which is not a surprise to God but it's a surprise to us and maybe generationally you're like you know I remember how church and well the world's becoming more secular it's becoming more against God and his ways and that's what's going to continue according to revelation until Christ comes back but I say all that there's things that you can do that you should do that are going to aid in your Christian growth and there are things that you and I know we should probably take we should revisit this like you know, now we have cell phones that tell you your screen time and how much you're on, binging shows or social media or whatever. I'm like, I didn't even know I was on. Well, Apple's helping you to, to, to show you. Sure enough, you're on that too much. Or maybe they're trying to say, you should do more of it and whatever. Use those technology things to say, yeah, I need to cut back on whatever because I don't need to know uh, that someone went to the restroom today or what they ate or, or whatever. Uh, don't post about the restroom. It's not important. Um, There are things that are sucker shoots that uh, constantly, I think, we can print those things in our life, and we need to do some maintenance things, say, you know, you go a week, or maybe you travel and go to a conference or hypothetical, whatever, uh, for your work, and, and you don't watch the news at all, or you don't get on Facebook for a whole week, and then you realize, you come back, you're like, Did my, was my life worse off because of I missed the news, or I missed Facebook, or I missed whatever? And sure enough, the world kept going, and maybe you had a little bit more peace in your life, because sure enough, I don't have to be fearful of everything that's happening all over the world, all over time, 24-7, because guess what? That just leads towards anxiety, because I can't control what happens in Israel, and I can't control what happens in Maine, and I can't control what happens at the border. I can vote for politicians, I can do things like that, but I can't control that, and for the news to tell me 24-7 how I need to be worried about all those things, it can get my eyes off of just actually following God and living for God right, right, here, right here in Midland, Texas at Kelview Heights Baptist Church with the family of God right here and I need to just do what I can control and walk with God and be faithful to him. We live in a global society and technology keeps us global all the time and for sure with kids and be careful with the TikTok and with all the things cause there is good with technology but everyone needs to know there's bad with technology too just like anything else. Uh, But then last, and the one that's surprising, is that God actually can uh, prune healthy branches. So say you and I really are, we're, 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 we're producing fruit, godly fruit in our lives, and we're walking with him. We have great connection, and we're good. God can still prune you. Why? Because he wants to make room for something better, even more fruit that we don't even know. Only God in his sovereignty would know, well, what would that be? How would that look? It's kind of hard to understand, but uh, if we lose a job we have, or maybe we have to let go of a goal or we don't see a dream realized in the, in the immediate uh, timetable we have set uh, God has you have to trust that God has God has reasons that maybe we know and maybe we don't know you just have to trust God we don't we don't think of healthy branches like, like those as something that God needs to cut back, but sometimes God God cuts and God prunes as only God knows. In the end, he does this pruning so that something even greater can grow in his place. So ultimately, the bottom line is that when God prunes us, it's not because he's punishing us. No, Hebrews 12, 7 and 8 says, Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? By the way, my wife's a teacher. There's plenty of kids that get no discipline. And you know how they turn out? Very undisciplined. It's weird how that works. Uh, if you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons or daughters at all. The writer of Hebrews is like, God disciplines those he loves. <laughs> Doesn't matter if you're an adult, teenager, kid, whatever. Uh, God cares what kind of children we are to him, and he, he, he can prune us, and sometimes it can be discipline. When our way isn't working, God may be pruning something for, for your life to make your, your life more fruitful And ultimately more like Christ. So then fourth, pruning isn't pointless. It always has a purpose. God wants to produce fruit that will last forever. Not that's going to last one week. Not that's going to last temporarily. But that will last for eternity. Uh, If you look later on in John 15 at verse 8 in that chapter. uh, Jesus goes on to show us that God's pruning us. His reason why he prunes us. And it says in verse 8 of chapter 15 this is my father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples god prunes us for our ultimate good and his ultimate glory now that's a whole god's glory we could go off on that the rest of we could take a couple of hours but my purpose and your purpose or any christian's purpose is to ultimately show glory to god and that can come through worship that can come through uh, passing on my faith to my kids or grandkids, that can come on to witnessing to a neighbor, that can come, a lot of different ways that can happen, but ultimately God does not save me so that I can get my own glory. God does not save me so that I can be happy. God does not save me so it can be about me. God saves me and you for his glory. That's why God did it. So God prunes us for his glory. So that as we bear more fruit, we become more fruitful, it's all more glory for God and what God does. He gets the credit. He gets the spotlight. He gets all the credits. He gets all the fame. Pruning hurts and, and sometimes the loss of our treasured things can make us feel frustrated at times. You know, God's pruning uh, a loss of money or a loss of status or a loss of job or a loss of relationship Uh you know, Job, the, the biblical character of Job, he, he was in a little bit of a bet between Satan and God. He had some pruning going on in his life, and that pruning wasn't pretty. It was ugly. But Job did say, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Sometimes God prunes with a picture in mind where we don't know what it is, but he knows what fruit he wants to produce in our life, and he's going to make it happen through, it looks like, circumstances or situations. It's not, not by chance. God doesn't work by chance. God is a God of deliberate that he's working, and he's working these things out in our lives. And ultimately so that he's glorified and that we can bear fruit and do that. Oftentimes we just need to wait and see on God's pruning. We don't know the ultimate picture. Uh, you know, what is, what is the ideal Keith going to look like? I don't, I don't know. I'm a work in progress uh, you can look back in the last maybe decade or 20 years or 30 years of your life, and you can say you can see some, some growth spiritually, I would hope. Uh, not perfectly, but we're growing. We're move, God's moving us in a direction he wants to move us. And for sure, where you move and where you live and what church you're associated with and what connections you have and people that talk into your life and people's lives that you talk into, all these things are shaping us as, as, as the branch that God wants us to be. God is pruning us. But I'm saying be patient. And by the way, patience is one of those fruits of the Spirit. Don't ever ask for patience. God is good at giving you that or trying to teach you on that. Um, but uh, if you, uh, you know, if there's a landscape artist, and we don't have elaborate landscapes here, I, I was in Fairfield, Cyprus uh, over the weekend, and my gosh, these houses with these just state of the art landscapes. I'm like, every shrub is perfectly crafted and everything I'm like y'all must have hired someone to do that uh and they probably did but you know they have these landscape people that come in and they they know how to trim it perfectly and I and I I would imagine as you're going to trim the rose bush or whatever you're like don't cut it right there it looks like it's pretty much growing and you could probably the landscape guy's like I know what I'm doing just Let me show you what some other work I've done and how it turns out. And then he might show you a picture, and you're like, okay, if that's how mine's going to turn out, I'm going to trust you. Well, that's kind of what God's doing with us. We may not know how he's cutting, where he's trimming, and where he's pruning, but we have to trust that God is in it for the long haul, and God is in it for the ultimate fruit that we can bear for his glory. So sometimes we just got to, it might not make sense now, but we just got to wait until later. You just got to wait for God. Uh, Maybe that's the message of the gardener to you these days. Right now it feels like the Lord is doing a lot of cutting and pruning, but there is a picture we can't completely see. So just wait until later. Stay faithful to him. Keep connected to him. Keep pursuing him. Here's the challenge is that if, if, if it's true from this passage that pruning isn't punishment and it's not pointless, but rather it's completely purposeful, then maybe we should ask for Pruning. Now that takes a bold, true, strong, faithful servant of God. Like, God, I'm ready for some pruning. But if we trust the gardener, wouldn't why wouldn't we ask for it? Because if the gardener's ultimate goal is to help the branch perform the, and to, to supply, to bring forth the most fruit possible, why wouldn't we trust the Heavenly Father to say, prune away? Get rid of the areas in my life I need to get rid of? Cut, trim here, there. And put me around all the things I need to be doing so that I can grow the most fruit. I think that's the faith we should live by. But often we don't. Then it comes down to that, do we really trust the Heavenly Father? Because there's always this tension in the Christian life that I'm in control of my own life. I'm in control of where I live. I'm in control of what I do. I'm in control of my family. I'm in control of viruses that happen in the U.S. and the world. Right I'm in control of the Middle East. I'm in control of all these things. But yet anxiety is running, is like the ultimate virus running everywhere in all generations right now. Everyone's anxious. God says the fruit, fruit, of, fruit of the Spirit is peace. Fruit of the Spirit is long-suffering. Fruit of the Spirit is patience. Sometimes we're not really, we're not really, really bearing the fruit we should. And it comes down to our connection, and God can prune us, and God does get us, lift us up, and get us right where we should be going again. But we live in a culture in a world that is anti, anti, live for God. We live in a culture that is live for yourself, and that's it. So God is. Uh, so maybe we invite God to come do. Some uh, pruning on us, maybe invite God's sovereign scissors to to snip a little bit here and there, and maybe that's a better thing than to wait until the chainsaw comes <laughs> and uh, He's going to do a work on you uh, to restore your health or whatever. But pruning should be a continual, consistent process. And uh, one last bit on that, I think uh, being involved—I'm preaching to the choir, but being involved in a local church or in a small group or in a uh, somewhere you can be authentic and you, can, you have enough relationship with somebody that you can say when you're really struggling with something. And it doesn't have to be in a, a group like this. But you know people, you have people in your life that you're connected with that will really just love you like Christ loves you and wants to help you. And sometimes they speak the hard truths in your life. And it's like, I just see some, some red flags in your life and I'm just concerned about you. Do you have anyone in your life that could at least say that to you? Are you literally just trying to do this Christian thing all by yourself? Because the God of the Bible is not a Christian that wants our branches to be totally off by ourselves. We, we, we grow the most fruit as we're interweaved with these other branches. We're, we're, we're getting nutrients from each other. We're growing off each other. That's the idea of this vine. So maybe we should invite God into our life to do the pruning that needs to be done. Uh, and then as I end tonight, you know, what is ultimately God's Goal in pruning us. What is what does his vision look like? Well, he wants us to be more like Jesus. Jesus, his son, his heavenly son, divine son, a fully human as well, lived the perfect life. He never sinned. And you look at how he encountered people as he had those those thirty something years here on earth, and how he loved and showed the love of the Father, connected to God. You know, Father, your will be done, not mine. Even though he's about to go down a cross, he yielded to the leadership of God the Father, but yet the way he loved people, the way he denied Satan and any temptation in his life. Ultimately, we're trying to become like that. That's, that's the bar, and none of us achieve the bar. We're always going to fall short of perfection. But that's what God is trying to make us more like Jesus. Um. God doesn't want to necessarily make us happy. That's not the end-all goal. There can be some happiness as we walk with the Lord for sure, but that's not his ultimate goal. Um, some people think that getting, being fruitful is meaning getting the highest-paying job, achieving the most goals, maintaining physical health, being perfectly uh, you know, prime in every aspect of life. And sometimes those things can happen, but God's primary goal isn't to make us happy. His goal is to make us like Jesus. Every plant produces what it's intended to produce. An apple tree produces what? Apples. A pear tree produces pears. An orange tree produces orange, oranges. Aren't you glad I didn't say banana, but that's another thing. A grapevine produces grapes. And so if we're connected to Jesus, we will produce the fruit that we're intended to produce. And what is that fruit? fruit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Love, joy, joy. I'm going to sing the song. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's the fruit of the Spirit song. I don't know if you all know that. I'm not, I'll teach to you next week, not today. These are the fruits of the Spirit. These are the characteristics. These are the, uh, the things that will be coming out of our lives. It just comes out because it's the fruit that comes out as, as we stay connected to God. So are those the things, things that describe you? Love joy, I heard talked about anxiety, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. When God does pruning, our natural tendency is to resist the pruning, but the pruning actually is the is the protection. The pruning is where we get the that God prunes us and produces deeper character within us. He he teaches us how to persevere. He, he teaches us determination to overcome obstacles and difficulties in our life. He teaches us humility. He teaches us a new vision to serve not just myself but others, to love others. He teaches us that we have a job that we're actually meant for and to do, like kingdom work, not just not just eight to five job, but that can be kingdom work, but ultimately I have another job to do and ultimately... Uh, not just provide for my family, but I have an eternal purpose, and that is to spread the gospel. That is to be growing in, in likeness uh, and walking with the Lord. That is to be active in a church. That is to share my faith, all these things. And ultimately, we grow in our dependence on him for provision. So I'd ask you tonight to submit yourself to God. He's, he's the good gardener. He can be trusted. God wants to help you become the best you can be. By the way, that is what every parent tries to do for their kids. And sometimes as parents and your kids get older and you give advice and it feel like it falls on deaf ears. And then as a parent, you're like, I'm trying to help you, but they're going to do what they do, right? And they're not going to do what they don't do. You can't make them when they become 20 or you shouldn't, whatever. Uh, and they're going to make some mistakes. And then guess what? I'm their dad and I'm their mom and I'm going to love them when they come back. Our Heavenly Father wants the best for his earthly children. And sometimes we do what he says and sometimes we don't. The good news is, he's a good gardener. He knows what's best. And sometimes he gets very active in our lives and he'll just prune away. He's not going to be uh, allow us to just walk in disobedience to him and to just defy him forever. He may allow that for a while, but at some point, he will discipline those he loves. Because... It's what's best for us. So the pruning we ask for isn't nearly as painful as the pruning we don't ask for. So maybe just to gently say, God, is is there some the area you want to prune? Or maybe you're already pruning in my life. I just want to identify that, sure enough, I think you might be pruning me in, in this area. And I'm okay with it if you're doing that. Um, embrace God's discipline and then reap the harvest Allow God to, to, to mold you, to shape your life so that you can maximize the most fruit and to and to give him glory for that. As I close tonight, I'm going to ask you all to do something that's a little awkward. You're not going to say anything. You don't have to come up here. You're just going to close your eyes, and I'm going to ask a few questions, and you just talk to God about that personally, not out loud, in your own way. But these are some questions to think, and you know, a pruning eye is like, I don't even know if God is pruning me. Well, these questions might help. And if you're like, I'm perfectly pruned, I don't I'm I am optimal. Well then great. Then live keep on keeping on. But let me close with prayer and then and with these questions, then I'll end with prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for tonight. I pray that you would uh, through your Holy Spirit that lives in us that for Christians, I pray that you would help discern some of the answers to these questions and each as we ask it internally and in our own lives that you would, uh, you would shine some light on some things we might need to you might be pruning us or you might want to prune us and we're just not allowing it to happen um, one question is are there some dead or diseased branches in your life that need to go is there a toxic relationship that isn't honoring you God Is there something secretive that you need to pull into the light? Maybe there is there some thought pattern that I've allowed to go unchecked? Is there someone you need to forgive? You need to give grace to? Is there some anger that needs to be released? Are there some fears or insecurities that are holding you back from bearing the fruit God wants to show in your life? Are there some good things on my schedule that need to be pruned so I can be available for the better things that God wants to produce in and through you? What do you need to cut back in your life because it's holding you back from what you're called to do? God, I believe you're a good gardener and I believe from your scriptures that you prune us and you want us to, uh, to be good so that uh, we make a better picture, of the ultimate picture of what you want us to be in, in our lives so that we bring you glory. I pray that, uh, that we would not refuse or resist your pruning but instead have faith to invite it and receive it and trust that your pruning has a purpose and you want to get us closer to the picture you have in mind. We'll give you all the glory for that. Thank you for being a God that connects and that you want us to bear fruit and be the ultimate branches for your glory and help us uh, to trust you in every aspect of our life. We'll give you the glory for that. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen.